let's continue with our lessons here on understanding what we're saying when we're davening in Shmona Esrei, Amidah, and Shema. So now we're in the Amidah, so let's continue with our section here where we're davening in this part of justice. So, restore our judges as they once were and our advisors as in the beginning and remove from us sorrow and groaning. May you reign over us, you alone, my master in kindness and compassion and vindicate us in justice. You are the source of all blessing, my master, the king, who loves righteousness and justice. And so the essence of this blessing is taken from the prophecy of Yeshaya. I will restore your judges as they once were and your advisors as in the beginning. After all, you should be called city of righteousness, faithful city. The procession of the exiles has now reached Jerusalem and there is a desperate need to restore a system of justice that is based on our Torah and its laws. Yeshaya prophesied that God will restore judges and justice as it once was. Rabbeinu Bahaya interprets Yeshaya's vision to mean the restoration of the Sanhedrin, the supreme court of the Jewish nation, to its prominent position adjacent to the temple in Yerushalayim. And this final need for Torah jurisprudence of the highest order is even more compelling because there was a terrible breakdown of justice in society prior to the destruction of the first temple. And picture the scene of one of Yeshaya's earliest prophecies where he said, Hear the word of God, you chieftains of Sodom. Give ear to our God's instruction, you folk of Gomorrah. Cease to do evil, learn to do good. Devote yourselves to justice, aid the wronged. Uphold the rights of the orphan, defend the cause of the widow. Come, let us reach an understanding, says God. Be your sins like crimson, they can turn snow white. Be they red as dyed wool, they can become like fleece. If then you agree and give heed, you will eat the good things of the earth. So Yeshaya does not only charge the leaders and judges of, this, of his time with graft and corruption. He's outraged by the fact that they take advantage of the oppressed widows and orphans. Your rulers are rogues and cronies of thieves. Everyone pursues presents and is greedy for gifts. They do not judge the case of the orphan and the widow's cause never reaches them. And in this blessing, we express our yearning for a time when justice will be as, as it was was, when all the Jewish courts will be under the leadership of great Torah scholars, renowned for both their, their outstanding erudition and for their impeccable integrity. We long for a time when justice and harmony will be restored. And the words of Yeshaya, only then will Jerusalem be called the city of righteousness, faithful city. So in our prayer for justice, we find no mention of Yerushalayim as a city of righteousness or faithful city. Rather, we find the expression of a feeling we have when there is no justice in the city, when there is fighting, even anarchy. We experience the feelings of sorrow and groaning as if there's no end in sight, no relief possible. We are in a state of despair. It is at such times in Jewish history that God in his own way strengthens us. Even though you may have given up on me, I have not given up on you. I know you have a future because I am the God of your future. Just as I live, you, my people, will live forever. The eternal one of Israel does not deceive. So Hashem keeps his promises to his people forever. 
We say then, may you alone, my master, reign over us in kindness and compassion and vindicate us in justice. So when man arrives for judgment before the heavenly court on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, he's judged according to his merits and deeds. But when he stands before the Holy One, blessed be he, Hashem shows him kindness and compassion, even though he may, may not be worthy of such consideration. Hashem's leniency reflects our relationship with him as our father. Even though we have been proven innocent by God's mercy and kindness, we appeal to him to further vindicate us through the criterion of judgment as the king who demands the highest standards of justice, we appeal to him to find us innocent on all counts. Then we say, we say righteousness and justice. So there are two well-known well terms that conclude this blessing. The king who loves righteousness and justice. These two expressions seem to be contradictory. Righteousness means doing the right thing, even if it goes beyond the strict letter of the law. And justice implies following the law as it stands without compromise or in the expression of our rabbis, let the law split the mountain and let the chips fall where they may. So charity connotes more than just doing the right thing. According to the Malbim, it means that a judge may find extenuating circumstances to exonerate the accused. He has the ability to find merit for the accused and release him, even though the letter of the law would demand otherwise. And righteousness means that we are blend, blending the stringency of the law with kindness. And there are times when God pronounces judgment based purely on the law itself. And this is called justice. And there are other times when Hashem decides the cases before him charitably. And this is called righteousness. So we know that God does not want to punish us. He would rather that we repent and return to his embrace. Our blessing says that even though we, God loves justice, he loves it together with righteousness and seeks our merits to give us another chance. When the 10 days of repentance arrive, the words, the king who loves righteousness, which signifies God's love and mercy throughout the year, are omitted. And during the 10 days of repentance, we end this blessing with the words, the king of justice. And these words put us on notice. God is judging us during these most critical days with the highest standards of justice, holding us accountable for our actions. Unlike the rest of the year when God himself often overlooks our sins, now he reigns as the king of, of justice and justice must prevail. Nevertheless, Hashem holds out hope that he will come to our senses, that we will come to our senses and we will repent. A most beautiful verse in Psalms captures these magnificent, magnificent concepts. It says, righteousness and justice are the base of your throne. Kindness and truth come before you. So righteousness is paired with justice, while kindness is paired with truth. At first glance, righteousness does not correspond with justice. Justice, as noted before, is following the exact letter of the law, while righteousness allows for finding merit in the accused. Similarly, kindness and truth do not match. Kindness also represents finding the good in people, while truth demands the highest standard of judgment. So how are we to reconcile these conflicting expressions? Kindness, chesed, and righteousness. Sadiq, so truth, emes, and, and justice. So look at the, parab the, the parallel structure of this verse, and you will come to an eye-opening revelation. Righteousness in the first part of the verse is connected to kindness in the second part. What this means is that righteousness is based on the concept of kindness when the judge looks for reasons to acquit. And similarly, justice in the first part of the verse corresponds to truth. Justice cannot prevail, prevail without truth. So it's not enough for us to recognize God's magnificent uh, traits of justice and kindness. He wants us to emulate him. And the words of the prophet, Micha, Hashem has directed us to seek what is good in life. And what is truly good in life? 
He has told you, O oh man, what is good and what God requires of you, only to do justice and to love kindness and to walk modestly with your God. Baruch Adonai leolam, amen ve'amen.